the fiery light of the wicker man fell on the man on the litter. His robe was also worn and blood-stained, though he wore armor beneath the cloth. The metal was battered and pierced. His face was lined with age, his hair white. His lifeless eyes were staring straight up at the stars above. The complex they passed through had been built in stages. In the center where they were headed were five pairs of stones arranged in a horseshoe. Each pair consisted of two large upright stones with a lintel stone laid horizontally on top. A slab of sandstone was placed at the midpoint of the entire complex to act as a focal point for worship and an altar for the various local religions that had flourished briefly before being swept under by the weight of the years. Later builders had constructed a second smaller ring around this, using spotted dolomite. And even later, a third encircling ring thirty meters in diameter was built of sandstone blocks called sarsen stones. There had even been a fourth circle of wooden stakes surrounding the entire complex. Stonehenge had reached its peak around 1100 B.C., with all stones in the three circles in place along the wooden fourth. Then came the Romans, who desecrated the site, rightly believing that it was a focal point for local shamans whose power they sought to destroy, much as Arthur had tried over 1500 years later. The Romans tore down some of the lintel stones and even managed to tip over a few of the upright ones. They burned the wooden outer circle, much as the Druids now burned those whom they had condemned. The original centerpieces, however, had resisted all efforts at damage over the centuries. The woman led the horse and litter up to the oldest set of stones, two uprights covered by a lintel stone. She threw back her hood, revealing lined skin and gray hair shot through with some remaining black. With arthritic hands, she untied the litter from the horse. We waited too long, my love, and we became too noticeable, she whispered to her partner in a language no one else on the face of the planet would have understood. It had not yet really sunk into her that he could not hear her, and never would hear her again. She noted the direction of his dead gaze, and she too peered upward for a moment, searching among the stars. She pointed. There, my dear Gwokmai. He had been known as Gawain at Arthur's court, and had fought at the Battle of Camlan, where both leaders mortally wounded each other. It was there he had received the wounds that had drained the life from his body, as she'd traveled as quickly as possible to bring him here. However, it was not the wounds to his body or even his death that frightened her. It was the damage to an artifact he wore on a chain around his neck, underneath the armor. It was shaped in the form of two hands and arms spread upward in worship, with no body. A mighty blow from Excalibur, wielded by Arthur just prior to his final confrontation with Mordred, had smashed through the armor and severed the artifact in half. A tremor passed through her body at the sight, and tears she had held in for the week of travel burst forth. An earthquake of fear and sorrow threatened to overwhelm her. She could hear the chanting and see the flickering fire to the north, and knew she did not have time to wallow in her pain before the druids came here to worship what they could not comprehend. She ran her hands lightly over the surface of the left upright stone, searching. After a moment, she found what she was looking for and pressed her right hand against the spot she had located. For a moment, it seemed as if even the chanting of the druids and the screams of the dying halted. All was still. Then the outline of a door appeared in the stone. It slid open. She unhooked the litter from the horse and grabbed the two poles. With effort beyond the capability of her aged body, she pulled it into the darkness beyond. Freed of its burden and smelling the foul air, the horse bolted away into the darkness. The door immediately shut behind them. The outline disappeared, and all was as it had been. A week later, Stonehenge was abandoned. 
Where the wicker man had been, there was only cold ash with a scattering of blackened bone. The druids had gone back to the hills, hiding from the brigands who roamed the land. So it had been for centuries, so it continued. The stones had seen many invaders, many worshippers, and they would see more in the future. The sky was gray, and a light rain was falling, blown about by a stiff breeze. In the middle of the megalithic arrangement, the outline of the doorway reappeared on the left-standing stone of the center pair. It slid open, and one person appeared, garbed in black robes. Noting the rain, the figure pulled back her hood. She resembled the old woman who had first entered, but fifty years younger. Instead of age-withered flesh, her face was smooth and pink. Her hair was coal-black. She turned her face upward, allowing the rain to fall on it. The falling water mixed with the rivulets of tears on her face. She had tried and failed, as she had feared. Guacmai was truly dead. After all the years they had been together, she reached back.